you are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Wait! Don't throw away that banana peel. Try composting, the best hobby for collecting garbage. Pretty soon, you'll be asking your neighbors for their old coffee grounds. Composting, the garbage hobby. Hey, Steve here, and uh, if you listen to episode 9 of Rootbound, the episode about corn, you already know what this sound means. But in case you don't know what it means, it means today we have a special episode where we're only going to talk about one plant, and that's because the guest today chose a plant from my secret list of plants, and anytime a guest chooses a plant from that secret list, it means we have a special episode, and we only talk about that one plant. And, you know, I honestly didn't expect this to happen again so fast. And in fact, I kind of didn't think it might ha- it might not happen again ever because it's a pretty short list, uh, that secret list of plants. And the chances of somebody choosing one of those plants seems pretty low to me. But here we are. It happened again pretty quickly. Um, actually, so quickly that episode 9 wasn't even out when I recorded this interview. So the guest didn't even know what the sound means. Um, but, yeah, we have a special episode again. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Mulberry. Now let's sing a stand-up song, shall we? Here we go round the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush. Here we go round the mulberry bush, so early in the morning. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Do you have a plant to share with me? I do. I want to tell you about the mulberry plant. Okay. Uh, this something strange is about to happen here. I'm going to do this. That bell, which you don't know what it means, because it's only happened one other time in the show before, and that show hasn't aired yet, but that means that you have mentioned a plant that's on my secret list of plants that I also plan to talk about, too. So this episode will only have one plant, and you will talk about mulberry, and then I will give a little bit of my personal experience with mulberry. Oh, that's so, so funny. that's the episode. Yeah. So we picked the same plant by accident? Well, well, we didn't pick the same plant, but I have a list of plants that I was like, well, someday I'll talk about that. But if a guest talks about it, I'll bring in my story at the end. And that's the special one episode uh, thing. There's a relatively short secret list of plants that, uh, that I have that I, I have like some, you know, just personal stories that, that I can talk about. So that's Mulberry. But I'm very excited to hear about Mulberry because actually, even though it's one of my plants, I don't know as much about it as some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to hear from you uh, about mulberry. Great. Well, cool. Um, yeah, so I picked, it was very hard for me to choose a plant, but I picked mulberry because I first fell in love with with trees, really, as a source of food because they're extremely easy um, and they are around forever and they're also very good hosts for a lot of insects and wildlife and mulberries of course are famous for feeding silk larvae and being responsible for you know thousands of years of sericulture but um, I actually fell in love with mulberry before. What was that word that you just said sericulture? Sericulture that refers to the 
growing of the silk worms and the feeding of them for the production of silk. That's a new word. How, does that start with an S or a C? S. So it's S as in Sam, E as in elephant, R as in Roger, I as in igloo, culture. Cool. That's a new word. Thank you for teaching that to me. Yeah, it's really fun. And I was actually, um, my first introduction to Mulberry outside of the nursery rhyme that everybody knows, round and round the mulberry bush, etc., was in Thailand. And I was woofing, which is Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. I was on a farm in the north, and it was a British man who had wanted to become a Buddhist monk and had lived at a monastery for a very long time. Um, and I mention this because there's also a connection between monks and monks and mulberries, but he um, had been waylaid by love on his quest to becoming a monk. So he instead became a, a farmer, an organic farmer, and he wanted to grow mulberries. And I can't remember, I mean, I do remember what the mulberries looked like. They were short trees and they were arm height. They were very small trees because I was carrying around his daughter who was about a year and a half old, and mulberries were her favorite fruit. And so we would fight over the ripe mulberries. Um, Not really fight. I would let her win because she was tiny and cute. And so Serena and I would go pick mulberries. And I remember them looking exactly the way that mulberry trees in the United States look, which is weird in retrospect because red mulberries or Morris rubra are not actually native to Asia. And usually you'll see white mulberry trees or sometimes black mulberry trees there. But for whatever reason in my memory, and you know, they stick out to me as being these like one and a half inch long red fruits rather than black or white. And so anyway, that's my first connection and encounter with like the mulberry tree. I love it. It becomes like my favorite fruit while I'm there. Not even native to Thailand. I love it. And then I come back and I move back to DC after woofing. And lo and behold, there's a mulberry tree on my block. And I, I'm like walking in the spring on the sidewalk, walking my dogs. And I see this just like mess of red and black, like sludge. It's dying my shoes, this hideous color. And it's just like bleh, everywhere. My dogs are covered in it. And I look up and it's a mulberry tree, but it's huge. It's obviously much, much bigger than the tiny ones that I was, you know, picking berries from with a child. And yeah, it's, you know, around the corner from me, it's huge. And I, unbeknownst to me, began what is now like a pretty intense relationship with foraging in that moment, looking up at that tree being like, holy smokes, that's a mulberry tree. I know what this is. I can identify it. I can eat this. No one else is eating it. Why isn't anybody else eating this? I'm going to eat this. And so even before I started looking more into botany and plants and doing any of the research into it, I just had this like immediate connection with the mulberry tree, this mulberry tree in particular, and was just like hunting them all over the city. They got added to my list of of fig trees and persimmon trees that I always look for in a city when I'm like walking around. I have a mental map of mulberry trees and fig trees and persimmon trees. Um, so that was that's why I picked mulberry ultimately because I have this strong emotional connection too. And when I started thinking about it, it was actually like my first connection to foraging as well. 
Very interesting. I, I am also on a beginner's foraging journey myself, so that sounds very interesting. And mulberry is not the is not the catalyst, but it definitely plays a role. So I'll talk about that a little bit later. But did you uh, discover some fun facts or dazzling details about mulberry? So honestly, it was really hard to choose which dazzling facts I wanted to bring about mulberry because there are so many, and it has such a long history of use on every continent, basically. Well, not every continent, but on many continents and in many countries. So you've got three kinds, black, white, and red mulberry. I've never met a black mulberry, but it's native to Iran, and it's spread all over the world. And it was actually brought to most of Europe when sericulture, the cultivation of silkworms, took off from Iran. So you'll see black mulberry trees all over the place in Europe. And they're also in North America, too, and they're actually kind of crowding out our native species, which is the red mulberry, or Morris rubra, which is the one that was on my block in D.C. and is delicious. And then there's the white mulberry, or Morris alba, that's native to Asia, and that's the one that can be cloned really easily and is used in, like, these giant farms or orchards for feeding silkworms. And the fruit is kind of lackluster on the white ones, honestly. Like, you can find them in D.C., and they're not that sweet. They're sort of like, they feel like a softer flavor. They are maybe a little bit more bland. Um, But they keep a little bit better, and you can dry them, unlike the black or the red varieties. So it's like this very intimate, immediate relationship with the tree. So they were... You can't really travel with it. You'll never find it at a farmer's market. You can make syrups and cook with it and whatnot, but like the whole, the fruit you'll never find. And so the Romans knew this and they would they brought the black mulberry from Italia or the Roman Empire to England and, and various other of their colonies and would plant them, you know, nearby in order to have them readily available for all their medicinal uses, because you can use the mulberry for anything and everything, like any kind of application it has. I couldn't even list them all. It's like, helps with diabetes. It helps with your eyesight. Like monks used to plant, there would be one mulberry tree like at an abbey and it could feed, well not feed, but it could treat basically an entire abbey full of sick monks because it's so proliferous. You know, there's just so much fruit and it was so good. Um, But it had to be like right there because you can't transport it. You couldn't like have it at the abbey down the road. You had to have it right there immediately with you. Um, And it's obviously really a soft fruit when it's ripe. It's bruises easily. It's hideous if it's older than like a day or two. So if you're going to harvest mulberry, you kind of have to have a plan and know what you're going to do and have enough kitchen space. And I always harvest it myself and just like go around with the basket and shake it. But like ideally and traditionally you get you get similar to olives, you'll get like a giant net or a cloth and you'll have it underneath the tree and then you'll shake the branches and then they'll end up there and then you can use them. And like the tiny little stems are fully edible. Um, So, I mean, yeah, it's just (laughs) there's so many facts about mulberries and they're so delicious and they have so many medicinal applications. They're extensively used in Chinese medicine, especially because the white mulberry can actually be dried. And so you'll find dried white mulberries um, in all kinds of traditional medicine shops. It's readily available. Um, Not as delicious, but it's there. And 
Yeah. I mean, it's just such a really cool plant and we have it all over the place here and nobody uses that, you know, <laughs> nobody eats it except for me. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I, I, yeah, I'm really interested in those plants that, uh, you know, because of their nature aren't marketable, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and it, they kind of make them very special, right? There's a, a one which has not come up on the show, but probably will at some point is, is pawpaws like that, right? They don't, they don't ship well, so they'll never find them in the store. Um, and I didn't think I really knew that about mulberry because, you know, I see mulberries, but I, I guess it's the white mulberry that you see like dried at like, you know, at a store. So I didn't ever realize that about the red or the black mulberry, but that's, yeah, super interesting. Um, yeah, I think the, the other thing that is, uh, yeah, I- interesting about that is just like, all these foods in this, when you start getting into the forging thing, which I know you're into, is like all these foods that exist that people just ignore <laughs> or like are annoyed by, right? Like the mulberry, like it's like a mess and people get annoyed by it. It's like, but that's just free food on the street. So yeah, that's that's super cool. Um, do you mind if I share my uh, mulberry experience or do you have some more fun facts? Well, I think my fun fact is kind of like connected to what you were just saying. Like the irony of the mulberry tree, like is it doesn't, the fruit doesn't travel well. But the tree has traveled everywhere because of the silkworm, right? Like it started out in these very small, isolated places. It started out in Iran. It started out in China, probably a more isolated region of China. And it's just everywhere now. You'll find black and white mulberries everywhere. And so, you know, yeah, you can't transport the fruit. And it is a very local tree in that sense. You know, like its its feeding radius is pretty small, but because there's so many more trees out there, because everybody wanted to profit from the silk trade, you've got mulberry trees everywhere. So the potential for like a blockbuster free food for everyone tree is there if more people just knew about it. Super cool. Well, yeah. Well, listener, take that advice and look for mulberries and, and uh, uh, pick them. Yeah, my, my mulberry story is, is a little bit similar. I You know, it's just starting to get into some foraging stuff. And then we we bought this house a few years ago and and my walk to the metro i realized oh there's a mulberry tree like right on my way that's really cool and it was like actually like bent over so you could actually reach some of the berries and so it became my thing like every day during the right season on the way home on the way back i would just grab a few mulberries and eat them and i was like oh that's that's really cool but i haven't done too much exploitation of them in a larger scale which i i want to now especially inspired by you but the the bummer is last year they just raised that whole place to build an, a condo building. And so oh. Mulberry has been destroyed, um, which is a bummer. However, you've said that mulberries, like, they're so prolific. And, and uh, I think, I'm not sure exactly what variety that was, but I know I know one of them. And I don't think it's the red. I think it's either the white or the black. Just pops up everywhere in the neighborhood like a weed. It is just, like, comes up. You, I mean, you'll see it coming out of gutters. You'll see it coming out of little cracks in the ground. And... Uh, a little over a year ago, one popped up in the middle of my backyard, and I was like, "That's a good place to have a tree." <laughs> so I just, uh, I just have let it grow, and over just over a year now, it's like, it's like you know, still, it's only maybe about an inch and a half in diameter, but it's probably nine feet tall. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll see if this year uh, it bears fruit. And also, I was reading now that I guess there are. I guess it is a, one of those trees that not, some are male varieties and they don't all bear fruit. So I'm not 100% sure about that. I didn't look into that, but it's a possible that it's not going to bear fruit ever. But 
it's in a perfect little spot. It's growing, and and I would like to think that a bird, you know, ate a mulberry from my mulberry tree before it was uh, destroyed and flew and deposited it nicely in my backyard. So that's my imagination that it is it is the same mulberry tree, or at least a, a the offspring of it. Um, probably not true, but I'll, I'll tell myself that. Um, so that's my personal mulberry story, and yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I need, to, I need to try doing some more stuff with them, because they, they are super cool. I make jam out of them. I love them. They're really good with service or June berries in combination in a jam. They're also great as a substitute for any other berry, like raspberries or blackberries or whatever. I'll just, I have a cornbread recipe, like a, a regular old, like, quick bread corn it's it's like a sweet cake but not too sweet like an everyday kind of cake um, and I just throw them in there but you know the funny thing about your mulberry is is part of the danger with mulberries with the white mulberry being so popular and so spreadable it spreads really easily hence all of the you know plantations for the silkworms it is hybridizing really rapidly with the red mulberry so there are more and more hybrids available. Um, And it's kind of funny that they're hybridizing so quickly or that it's even possible because the black mulberry doesn't hybridize easily at all. Like it is just its thing. It's one thing and it's all black mulberry. You'll never find a black red hybrid or a black white hybrid. There's no gray mulberries. It's just like stubbornly itself. And those trees can get really big and really gnarly. Interesting. Um, and, and And also now that you mention it you know i don't know if i've have seen a red mulberry i think the one that was my tree well it's hard to tell I, apparently i don't know reading online it's hard to kind of tell the difference i don't know if you have some like tips of how to how to like really know the difference between the three um but i was pretty sure it wasn't a red mulberry and that means the one in my backyard also i don't think the ones growing like weeds are red mulberry that's my understanding is that it's probably the white mulberry or maybe a hybrid perhaps Um, Hybrids are really common. I mean, the white mulberry is easy to tell because it's white. (laughs) And the black mulberry, it it looks more like a blackberry almost. It doesn't have those really long fruits in my experience. Um, Could be wrong. But I think the red mulberry is the more more likely culprit if it's like a very sort of long rectangular looking fruit. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, I'm and I've never seen those white fruits like that when I was googling it, but maybe the hybrid is the thing. I I don't know. That's going to be my next challenge is one discovering what the the one in my in my backyard is. Um but yeah, that's really interesting. Uh one uh, one fun fact that I that I learned when I was like researching uh recently was that the that there was an attempted silk industry in the United States, right? They, they early in, in like, you know, colonial area, they imported a bunch of, of white mulberry to try to start a silk industry. Um, and it was just not very successful for whatever reason. But uh, it's, I think, very possible that's the why we have so much white mel- mulberry here was this attempt. And, you know, all these little weeds popping up all over this area are a uh, like a vestige of people trying to do that here. And it's an interesting, I mean, all, a lot of these plant stories that it's happened in the show a lot, there's just interesting history and interesting, uh, like, like uh, anthropological stories of how, of how plants spread. And this is a very interesting one because you have this sericulture, which I just learned that word, that was so important and tried to spread around the world. And they tried to do it here. It didn't work. But now we we have this other plant here that we didn't before. 
that is outcompeting the native variety. And it's it's all very complex and very interesting. Um, and that, you know, you can start with this, you know, uh, a, a children's uh, poem that we all know. But if you start go thinking about it more, it becomes very fascinating. You could probably, like, write a dissertation about that. Well, the fun thing about the children's rhyme I was reading is that it was probably not a mulberry bush originally. It was probably some other bush, like a bramble bush, but mulberry bush sounds more melodic when you're doing it. There's also some wild story that's completely unsupported except for the existence of a tree in the center of this prison yard, that it was born out of um, the the workday of these imprisoned women at this women's prison who like worked around a mulberry bush in the yard. Um so, yeah, it is interesting. a super interesting history. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the silkworm, the black silkworm spread to Europe, and the, the, the resulting silk is very different depending on the kind of mulberry it, the, the worm eats. But you can totally do it today. Like, you can do small-scale silkworm production. I follow a woman on Instagram who does it, and it's really impressive. I, I don't think I have the patience, wow. but you totally can and it's really cool looking wow i'm going to look that up that sounds super interesting um yeah i guess back to that children's rhyme for a minute minute like i realized wait the mulberry it's a tree it's not a bush but you know (laughs) know, the the silkworms they use like when you do it for cultivation they never keep them very big they're all small okay they're bush size and what they'll do is they'll just like go through and strip them of their leaves and it's almost like a silk factory, basically. They're just like using it as food for the silkworms. So, so they're stripping the leaves off and bringing them to like a worm factory. Uh, silkworm. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. very interesting. It's super interesting. So, yeah, nobody nobody really thinks about the fruit, but the fruit has all this potential for feeding people and for like curing a lot of illnesses. And unsurprisingly, there's some pharmaceutical research into using them too. Interesting. Well, um, do you have any anything else to say about mulberry? Um, there's a fake mulberry. Um, oh, it's not is that like, the paper mulberry? The paper mulberry, yeah. So I was just reading about that the other day. Yeah, they thought it was I, in I the family, but it's not. But it is the first paper. They used the mulberry bark. Oh, okay. So that's why it's called paper mulberry because it was used for paper. Uh, mm-hmm. But but the, it is not actually in the mulberry family. And the berries, I think, are different right they don't look quite it's the same. been reclassified yeah they used to you know botany is an ongoing process so once upon a time it was in the morris family but they've reclassified it yeah so i didn't talk I like about that botany is botany is an ongoing process i yeah that's a, that sounds like what i'm doing this podcast <laughs> it's an ongoing process for me to, to learn about plants so well well great i think um i think that covers it uh thank you for for joining me on a mulberry episode you're welcome. May you all eat more mulberries. Stop beating round the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush. Stop beating round the mulberry bush. Come out and say you love me. Fun fact, the idiom, stop beating around the bush, is just an abbreviated form of the original saying, which was, stop beating around the mulberry bush. Towards the beginning of the show, I played the nursery rhyme, here we go around the mulberry bush, and if you're like me, you might have thought something was missing. Here, let me play it again. Here we go round the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush. Here we go round the mulberry bush, so early in the morning. Do you know what's missing, or do you know what you you perceive to be missing here? This is what I thought should have been there somewhere. Pop, 
goes the weasel. That's right, Pop Goes the Weasel. In my brain, the song about the mulberry bush was always related to Pop Goes the Weasel. However, through my research here, and I've gone down quite a rabbit hole, or should I say maybe a weasel hole, uh, I, I, I found that that's, that's not true. There's some interesting nursery rhyme history going on here of, of how uh, I, and, and many of you out there, I did a little poll, and many of you out there have the same association between mulberry bushes and, and weasels going pop. Um, and I thought I would get into that a little bit now. So the, the original poem, Here We Go Round the Mulberry Bush, does not have anything to do with Pop Goes a Weasel. Those lyrics are, here we go round the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, here we go round the mulberry bush, uh, early in the morning, or I guess originally it was on a on a cold and frosty morning. And it was it was originally just uh, a children's game, as far as I can tell. The, the history is a little bit nebulous, but there was a book uh, about nursery rhymes written in, I think, 1854 that first documents the here we go around the mulberry bush and and as uh stephanie mentioned in the episode it might have originally been bramble bush but it was just you know moved over to mulberry bush because maybe it sounded better there's also reference to that women's prison which was her majesty's prison wakefield where there was a mulberry tree in the middle of the yard where women did work but but the connection is nebulous whether that had anything to do with the original story or not and there was also one reference on wikipedia even though i can't find any actual proof of this but it was it was speculating that the song Here We Go Round the Mulberry Bush on a cold and frosty morning was a little bit of a, a joke about uh, England's attempt to start a silk industry and that the weather was actually too cold and so they couldn't uh, produce enough leaves for the silk. So it's like, here we go around the mulberry bush on a cold and frosty morning and we're failing at this job. There really is no evidence of that that I can see. and it, And it may just be like, a children's song that kind of evolved. Who knows how those children's songs evolve? But the main point is, is that it had nothing to do with a weasel or popping. Pop Goes the Weasel, on the other hand, it actually originated around the same time, the mid-1800s, 18, uh, 1856, I've seen. It could be earlier. And it didn't originate as a children's song. It actually originated as a dance, a very popular dance. In fact, is. What I can tell is it was kind of like the Macarena of its day. It was like super, super popular in like dance halls. Um, but that original Pop Goes the Weasel didn't have any other lyrics except Pop Goes the Weasel. So the the music would just, you know, do that music. And then everybody who was doing the dance would, go, would yell at the same time, Pop Goes the Weasel. Um, but there was no lyrics. And so I was like, well, okay, how did the lyrics come from? And, and, and so what? What I could tell from my research is that sometime after that dance became very popular, I think some some uh, jovial fellows turned it into a drinking song. <laughs> and so the original lyrics of Pop Goes the Weasel are something like half a pound of tuppany rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop Goes the Weasel. Um, and it's like a song about like spending too much at the bar. So there's another uh, lyric that goes up and down the city road, in and out the eagle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Um, the city road is a famous road in London, and there was a pub called the Eagle. So it's like going into the Eagle, spending all your money at the pub. Um, that's the way the money goes. There's also a line that says, every night when I go out, the monkey's on the table, take a stick and knock it off. Pop goes the weasel. I can't figure out what that means, but I think that's where the monkey comes in to the nursery rhyme that I know, which has a monkey, and I think you know, um, but what that really means, I'm not sure, but 
let's talk about Pop Goes the Weasel. What does Pop Goes the Weasel mean? Well, there's, there's a lot of speculation. And in the drinking song, there's speculation that Pop Goes the Weasel is Cockney slang, and some of it's Cockney rhyming slang, meaning to, to pawn your coat. Uh, so like you, you've been out drinking all night, you ran out of money, you have to pawn your coat to get more beer, is, is the speculation. And that's because I guess Pop was slang for pawning, like I'm going to pop my coat and I'm going to, uh, you know, get some money for it. And then weasel being slang for coat, because in I don't know if you're familiar with Cockney rhyming slang, but they would take two words, one of them rhyming with the word they are meaning, and then they would cut it off. So, for example, the the, the, the famous one you hear all the time when you first hear about it is someone saying, um, trouble and strife is cockney slang for wife because strife rhymes with wife but they would say two words it's it's pretty weird um <laughs> but but uh apparently for weasel it was weasel and stoat was slang for coat so then weasel became coat and pop goes the weasel is to pawn your coat however there is a device called a weasel and this device happens to go pop. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with a coat and it has nothing to do with drinking. And I think their original song, the the one that didn't have any lyrics, Just Pop Goes the Weasel, was probably, this is speculation, but it makes sense to me, probably referring to the device, the weasel, that goes pop. And a weasel, or a spinner's weasel, is a device used by people in the textile industry. And it's a device used to measure off a skein of yarn. And basically, it's a device with a couple wheels and a pedal, and you would, you know, move the pedal, and the wheels would go around, and it would pull yarn from a big thing onto, you know, a smaller thing. But it was mechanically set up that after a certain amount of rotations, when it would equal one skein, which I think is 80 yards, but, you know, don't count, don't uh, quote me on that, the device would go pop. And so the person counting off the, the, the yarn would know when to stop. And so... The fact that there is a real device that goes pop called a weasel makes me think it definitely has to do with that. And so here's my purely fictional but logical story of how pop goes the weasel happened. There was some composer who lived in the textile district of London who was hearing weasels go pop all the time. And he wrote this song called Pop Goes the Weasel that became very popular. And by the way, I can't find out who wrote the original Pop Goes the Weasel music. And what a shame because it was like, it was like a club banger back in the day, and yet nobody knows who he is. It's like, uh, how how sad is that? But anyway, the song Pop Goes the Weasel got written related to the devices called weasels, and it came, became very popular, and then a bunch of guys in the pub started parodying it and making a song about drinking too much and, and making up their own meaning behind Pop Goes the Weasel. And then, of course, like many things do, it became a common nursery rhyme. But you will notice there is no reference to mulberries whatsoever in Pop Goes the Weasel. So why do I and many other friends of mine, mostly Americans from what I can tell, associate mulberry bush with Pop Goes the Weasel? Well, it looks like what happened is when both of these songs got to the United States around the same time, mid-1850s, they just kind of blended together. You know, they have a little bit of a similar melody. You know, here we go around the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush. Here we go around the mulberry bush on a cold and frosty morning. All around the mulberry bush, the monkey chased the weasel. All around the mulberry bush, pop goes the weasel. That's what I think happened. Somehow, they just merged. And now, 
we have here we go around the mulberry bush related to a weasel that weasel became an actual animal being chased by a monkey because there's a monkey in one of the original lyrics to pop goes the weasel that is also probably code for drinking or something it all got mishmashed and merged together into this poem that that now i and many other people associate pop goes the weasel with a mulberry bush but there's really not a lot of logic behind it it's just a uh, an interesting evolution of language uh over time but yes that is the history of these two nursery rhymes here we go around the mulberry bush and pop goes the weasel and if you have those songs stuck in your head for a very long time like i have because i've been researching these for a few days apologies my guest on today's episode of Rootbound was stephanie bastek stephanie is an editor at the american scholar magazine the host of the smarty pants podcast and an amateur assembler of wild things Rootbound is hosted by Steve Ellington. Hey, that's my name. Music by Christian Krigascota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. But if you are able to go outside, may I suggest going round and round the mulberry bush. However, there's no reason to get a monkey or a weasel involved. Composting, the garbage hobby. 